produced and presented by Andromahi Sophocleus and Kemal Baikallı. In this episode, we discussed the new cabinet of Mr. Ristodoulidis and what to expect from that cabinet in the coming weeks and months. We finally know the candidates for the Turkish elections that will take place on the 14th of May and we discuss what it is that we are to expect. Last but not least, we talked about the new DC leader. Welcome to Nikosianka. Hello, Andromache. Hello, Kemal. So we have we had the elections. We have we now have a new Republic of Cyprus president and a new council of uh, ministers. And um, to start with, what's your evaluation? What's your analysis about the new council of ministers? Well, I think that uh, Mr. Christodoulidis uh, clearly gave a, a sort of a center right stigma in his choice of uh, of a cabinet. Uh, well, we saw him, you know, Christodoulidis had really set the bar very high before uh, the announcement of the cabinet. He had promised 50% representation of women. He had promised that it would not, uh, the decision would not be based on party deals. So he had really set the bar very high and he didn't pass over it, especially the 50% representation of women that clearly didn't happen. At the same time, the details that emerged uh, and they were basically admitted by the protagonists is that a number of key ministries were basically the result of party deals and party threats which kind of uh, created the disappointment in a lot of followers of Mr. Christodoulidis who they felt that they expected something else. If we are to pick the key uh, ministries, let's say, I would say what is striking is that uh, is the choice of uh, finance minister, Magis Keravnos, a man who uh, was in fact previously... Um, Uh, and in the Tassos uh, Papadopoulos uh, presidency, he was uh, the Minister of Finance and resigned after uh, just uh, 18 months, I think, and then went to work for a bank. He's, uh, he's a notorious anti-European Union uh, person, you know, and uh, so that that was uh, striking. Definitely for us, I think it is important to mention the Minister of Defense, Mr. Michalis Yorgalas, who uh, used to be a member of the Solidarity Movement, a movement that is against the Bizonal Bicommunal Federation. Mr. Yorgalas himself is against the Bizonal Bicommunal Federation. And I think that um, uh, choosing him for the ministry kind of, I think, gives a very problematic message. It creates a sense of insecurity as to what might come when it comes to the way Mr. Yorgalas will choose to position himself or the messages that he will be sending. And already, I mean, yeah. from the very first statements of Mr. Yorgalas, okay, he referred to a united defense front uh, with Greece, of course, that was an electoral promise by Mr. Christodoulidis himself. He also referred to a defense front with uh, Israel and uh, potentially Egypt. But he also said that uh, Cyprus has to remind uh, Greece of its role as a guarantor. Uh, so I think that we will be watching out for how things will develop. Uh, with Mr. Yorgalas. And in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, we have uh, Mr. Konstantinos Kombos. He's an academic in the um, University of Cyprus. He used to be a, a member of the negotiating team, but not particularly prominent at the time. 
I, I think that it is fair to expect that Mr. Christodoulidis will be clearly dictating or outlining the foreign policy of the government. Uh, I think these are the most important takes. You and I, we share a common uh, vision about Cyprus, and um, we are a critical uh, podcast on both sides of the divide. But let's... Uh, Let's change uh, the course a bit and uh, let's try to see some positive sides. Let's let's try to see if there is any... What can we say about the new cabinet? I, I mean, there are some new independent faces. There are women who are uh, women who are familiar to the civil society in Cyprus. Can we talk about a little bit of, about the positive so that actually maybe, maybe there are? I no, mean, I definitely... I think there are positive uh, aspects. I think the problem that um, that we faced is that the expectations that were set were so high. Had it not been for these expectations, I, I would say that it, it it is not a disaster in any sort. Uh, let, let's be clear. I mean, we have the most uh, uh, women that ever were in a in a cabinet in Cyprus. We have many young faces as well. What I would say though is that. I think we should give the government time to work. And uh, I must say that I, I was critical of the Ministry of Defense. I think we can we can also discuss a bit what is the stigma of the very first act of uh, the government. But aside from that, in all the other ministries, I think there are new faces and I think we need to give them the time to work. I think we, there are some very successful technocrats. Uh, in fact, there are people that are highly respected in their area of expertise. And I think we should uh, give them the chance to work before we start criticizing. Of course, uh, what we mentioned about the Minister of Defense is, is a political issue. It's not a matter of, of action rather than of, of a statement. When one chooses a, a person that is uh, against the Bizonalba Communal Federation at a time when you are supposedly trying to convince about that. And discussing this, I think it is also important to discuss about the first um, act, as we said. I mean, we, we had the announcement for a supreme uh, uh, cooperation council between uh, Cyprus and Greece um, that kind of, it was a first indication of what will come because this this move was only criticized by Akel. The other uh, parties, you know, they, they didn't raise any obje objection. And just to inform our our audience about what this is, it's, um, it was announced in, uh, by Mr. Mitsotakis, the Greek Prime Minister, and uh, Mr. Uh, Nikos Christodoulidis. It was announced that there will be intergovernmental meetings at the highest level, which means joint cabinet uh, meetings in the presence of uh, the heads of state. At, at a frequent level between Cyprus and Greece. It is worth noting that Greece has similar high-ranking uh, meetings with uh, countries like Bulgaria and Turkey. Uh, Cyprus also has um, something similar, but not of this level, with Egypt. Yeah, so I can criticize the move, but it, it was indeed welcomed by the rest. You see, all my life, all my childhood times, since I was getting involved with politics, I've been hearing this common dogma and same defense policy, you know, um, cooperation on def defense. I mean, I think it's it's the package of what's already 
apparently clear to many people, I guess. Like, yes, we know that Greek Cypriots and Greece, they have very special relations. Regardless of how you put it, it's there anyway. It's going to, you know, give some excitement to the voters. Fine, at the end of the day. But, you know, the, the, the realities on the island is, is still there. We, st we, we are still living in a divided island. Still, it is considered a, pro a, a, a an international uh, problem, and um, you know, you and I we support the federal solution not because it's the you know it ha it doesn't have its own shortcomings. It does like each and every model, but simply because it is currently what we have to solve the Cyprus problem. Um, on that Andromahi, um, remember. Um, I think a year and, and a half years ago, maybe two, we had hosted a former um, retired Turkish diplomat, Selim Kuneralp, in our program. And uh, a week ago, he um, posted an article and um, he said that in the Turkish language, the word concession is taken very negatively. In fact, this is what you need to come to an agreement. You need to make a concession and your partner also needs to make a concession. Now, why I'm saying this, it's because we know that Mr. Aristotelidis has been elected with the promise of, you know, um, re-evaluating the talks and maybe you know, re-evaluating uh, the, the Guterres framework and all those circles that are against the federal solution supported him. And um, now he's elected and um, he, he, he openly supports, he says that he supports a federal solution. And um, this again shows another mismatch because the people that supported him some of them has have, have no idea what a federal solution is and some of them are against and he also in his cabinet has some people against but then again like do we have another option especially at a time when the turkish and the turkish cypriot side are openly against it even so there you know i mean doesn't it feel like that it's like a game i hear your exasperation kemal well look I think I have a few comments in this general discussion. First of all, on, on the issue of the Supreme Cooperation Council that you mentioned before. I think when I first heard it, I, I, I laughed it off thinking, oh, that's, <laughs> as you said, something good to sell with the public. I, I also thought, okay, these things get announced. I, I doubt it will even go forward. Or if it does, it might be, you know, with the participation of one or two ministers, but I doubt it will reach the highest level. So pragmatically and realistically, this is something that is really not an issue. Uh, aside from any symbolism and all that you said about the charged uh, issue and everything. But when it comes to the actual problem, as you said, and the existing problem and the existing divide, you, you come and say, okay, the excellent relations between the Republic of Cyprus and Greece are there and they are not in any uh, way challenged. What is challenged, though, is the Republic of Cyprus's claim that it is a country that represents Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots and uh, the other uh, religious minorities in Cyprus, you are at a time in which you try to prove that we are one people and that we should uh, see how we proceed forward with the Cyprus problem and everything. 
But then again, you don't seem to have any sort of urgency on this issue. You know, he, he has assumed power and we are still waiting to hear something more concrete about the Turkish Cypriots. We are still waiting to see when this will be addressed. Yes, the, he has, Mr. Christodoulidis, and we need to be clear on this, he has uh, prioritized the Cyprus problem as a solution. He is pushing for the European Union to be more actively involved at a political level. But what is lacking is is the appeal to the Turkish Cypriots. What is lacking is what he promised in his own um, election program about, you know, reaching out to the Turkish Cypriots, enhancing the pro-solution camp in the Turkish Cypriot community, working on seeing how to proceed with the EU key, etc. So where are all these? I mean, we are waiting to hear and see something about this. When it comes to the United Defense Front that you mentioned, these are things that they've been mentioned so many times in the past. And to be fair, it was part of Mr. Christodoulidis' election campaign and election program. And at the same time, he also promised 2% of GDP to be going uh, towards defense purposes. So I think that this all fits within the greater uh, focus on defense and on uh, sort of military cooperation in the region that he in any way had uh, promised. Um about how a federal solution is regarded um, on both sides of the divide. Everybody considers it as a dead and buried. And, uh, you know, last year we know that, um, you know, um, there was going to be a new, a new leader who promises to change the course of the discussions Um at least the Guterres framework on, on the other side, it, it has already been dead and buried. And now after a year, we again uh, found ourselves uh, discussing um, a, a federal solution. And, um, you know, this is frustrating, not because supposedly we are reasonable human beings, but also because people are sick and tired of it. You know, people start being against it or for it without really understanding what it means. It's basically a model where sides cooperate. And if there is uh, no spirit of cooperation, if there is no understanding of cooperation, if there is no sense of co mutual concessions, how is it going to be possible, you know, to talk about a federal solution, even if miraculously there is some sort of an agreement, how is it going to? I know no, it's, Kimmel, you know, actually, it's, it, it's the same discussion over no, and over actually, again. No, actually, it's funny because the, Mr. Christodoulidis, he gave an interview on Ertz, the, uh, the Greek uh, state television, and he said that uh, the Cypriot society needs to be convinced about the need for a Cyprus problem solution, saying that the status quo can only be getting better, uh, can only be getting worse, sorry, and Unless the Cyprus problem is solved. And so he's echoing your words. And uh, I was laughing when uh, I was reading it because, you know, if if any pro-solution activist was uttering the same phrase, uh, they would be attacked of um, uh, leaving Turkey out of it. And uh, because you refer to cooperation and because Mr. Christodoulidis is really pushing for a more active involvement by the European Union at a political level, and uh, it is worth reminding our audience that traditionally any political involvement by the European Union in the Cyprus problem is kind of frowned upon, really. You know, there is always this talk about uh, putting pressure on Cypriots and that, the, 
the international community, quote unquote, is pushing Cyprus towards concessions, as you said before. And now we are at this stage in which Mr. Christos Willis is suggesting it. And in fact, uh, you have newspapers like Philelefteros and uh, journalists like Aristos Michaelidis actually supporting the idea, pushing for it and asking everyone, why are you not uh, pushing for it even further? And why are you doubting it or saying that the EU was anyway present in Kramontana, etc.? And he's saying, let him try. And what I want to add here is that And I agree, let him try. But what needs to be made clear is that if you bring the European Union more close to the Cyprus problem politically, then other questions might start arising because what you called concession or the cooperation to which you referred before, Kemal, might be presented as some sort of cooperation on energy, for instance, for the, uh, at the beginning. So I am actually wondering whether all these people who are now pushing for the EU are really ready for this discussion to be opened. I hope they are because we need to open the discussion, but we need to be clear about what about the shape of this discussion or about the possible shape of this discussion, and I'm not sure they are. The, the elephant in the room is, of course, um, Turkey and Turkish position when it comes to um, the Cyprus problem. But before getting into that, uh, as a final note, I would like to underline um, to our listeners that you and I uh, have been constantly uh, on the um, front page of Philelefteros by a cartoonist. Um, and we were drawn as if we are serving the interests of Mr. Erdogan and waving flags, uh, you know, uh, making noises and sounds when the Turkish flag on the mountains are, are shining. And then we've been ridicu- ridiculed by this, uh, by this f- f- famous, I would say, uh, cartoonist Mr. Pin. And, uh, you know, uh, and Mr. Pin suddenly out of blue, as if nothing has happened, as if we are living in 1955 or something, uh, decided to draw a young Cypriot girl wearing the, representing the island of Cyprus, grabbing uh, the Greek flagpole and then in love with the Greek flag. You like, know, Kemali wasn't even a young Cypriot girl. It was Cyprus presented in this naive yes. and yes. childish way as though it was hugging its mom but Innocent, uh, we didn't discuss pure. it Kemal and uh, you're now mentioning it so you saw it <laughs> yeah yeah I did see it and in fact it has been used by the nationalists on our side as a sign that the Greek Cypriots have never abandoned the cause of Enosis so here is uh, you know you wanted to build a federal solution with use naive Turkish Cypriots who believe in solution. Look, the reality is there. They have never abandoned the, the, the cause of Enosis. And, you know, I mean, yes, you and I, we understand and appreciate that this is really not the case. But the fact that he's still drawing a, a, a cartoon on, on, the, on the biggest newspaper in the Greek Cypriot community on such a cartoon... As if, like, I mean, like, Cyprus is a, is a member of United Nations, is a member of the EU, it's a separate country, it's its own flag, and then why do you need to say that you are still in love yeah. with Greece and, you know, what's It's the kind point? of insulting as well, and this is not, you know, this has absolutely nothing to do with any special relations, anything that has to do with culture or anything else, or, or the way even someone feels towards Greece, which is 
it has nothing to do with this discussion. This has to do with a sovereign state that is a member of the EU, as you said, and you are anyway uh, united through the European Union. And you, 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 and I were, you know, sketched as if we are serving the interests of Mr. Erdogan, and you know, we are being you know, naive enough to say the least to, to, to support. And then the, the same gentleman making this cartoon is, is kind of actually, um, I, I kind of feel good about the fact that, you know, he he's shown his true colors. But anyway, let's go back to, um, to Turkey. Elections coming up in Turkey on the 14th of, of May. Why it's so important? Because uh, we like it or not, it's going to have a direct effect on the fate of of Cyprus. And, uh, you know, the, the Erdogan government has enjoyed a, a popularity and support for almost 10 years after Andamplan, right? The Turkish Cypriots voted in favor of it, so he managed to build... A, 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 let's say a picture saying that, you know, look, the Turkish Cypriots and Turkey have done what they could do. We voted in favor of a plan. Whether it's a good plan or a bad plan, it's another discussion. But he literally used it for almost 10 years. And then by the time, you know, it was in 2004 and by we reached 2014, again, uh, Mr. Erolu was forced to sign a, another common declaration by uh, by Mr. Davutoglu was the prime minister at that time because Turkey wanted to prove, you know, its goodwill towards the international community. And then it brought us all the way to Crown Montana. And when Crown Montana uh, collapsed, they were convinced that, you know, the international community will now understand that it's not them to, to blame. Uh, again, whether it's true or not, that was the conviction. So, um, and, you know, the elections were coming up and then um, er Mr. Erdogan and his government wanted to the support of the nationalists and they were already in coalition. So they felt comfortable enough to abandon the cause of, of federation and then start, uh, you know, uh, articulating this very populist uh, two-state solution, which the, internet, the, the Turkish public opinion loved it so much. Not only the Islamists or not only the nationalists, but also the, typ the typical Kemalists, the centrists, the the um the op even the opposition you know loved the idea because they they all found something that they could really relate themselves to and i think this is one of the reasons why we are so angry and upset with the short sightedness of of um the greek cypriot leadership they thought that they could really really get away with it without really play by by playing with with you know the what whatever the, the game they have been playing so now we found ourselves um, after after the fall of Mr. Um, Akunju from power, uh, a very clear uh, anti-federal, anti-solution position, uh, a two-state solution which will never be accepted by the international community, by Republic of Cyprus, or even by 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 many Turkish Cypriots even. So um, and now we are. Um, Seeing that the, the the Turkey, the Turkish government, Erdogan and AK Parti have been uh, using this, will probably be losing elections on 14th of May to the opposition leader, uh, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu. So what happened in Turkey? Turkey was a parliamentary democracy. 
uh, and the democracy party is of course a very uh, <laughs> you, you can challenge it but at least the parliamentary part was was there and then when Mr. Erdogan changed the system and making it some kind of a presidential system now the elections will be choosing a president and a parliament a legislation at the same time and there are two uh, allied groups on one hand we have Mr. Erdogan we have the the grey wolves we have the the, the reactionary forces and on the other hand, we have JHP, uh, uh, the um, the Kemalists. The you know they also have some social democrats in the party, and um, E party, which was a split from uh, the Grey Wolves, MHP, uh, and um, and some uh, the former uh, splits from AK party, who the, the liberals, and you know. Mr. Davutoglu, who created his his own uh, party, on the other hand, and as a result, um, they agreed to nominate Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu, who lost few elections in the past um, against Mr. Erdogan. But um, now, probably, the the Kurdish movement will also be supporting Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu. The question, of course, is whether. Uh, he will get enough votes to uh, overthrow Mr. Uh, Erdogan. And according to the first surveys, yes, there is such a possibility. And what does this mean to, for Cyprus? But definitely what does this mean for Cyprus? And how is Erdogan reacting to this? Like, what is his stance? Uh, how is he approaching it? Look, um, I think rather than making a political comment here, I think it's, I am going to make a, a, psycholo a psychologist <laughs> I try to make a personal uh, analysis of him. Why? Because he concentrated power so much in his hands. I think it is not very healthy to make just a political comment. It's important to understand the psychology of Mr. Erdogan. And Mr. Erdogan, I think, is now surrounded by all those people who's afraid to tell him the truth. He's surrounded by media which is afraid to write the truth. He's surrounded by people who will always um, appreciate whatever he says. And um, the interesting part, we know, we know that, you know, um, generally dictators find it difficult to reconcile with the realities after some time. And I think this is the stage that Mr. Erdogan is in. He's a very clever politician, definitely. But I think um, he is now finding it difficult to find people who will tell him the truth. He's secluded. He's, he controls all the power. And um, probably he doesn't believe that um, the surveys will be reflecting realities. Even if there are those um, aides and supporters would, who would tell him the truth, would probably be very afraid to, to tell him so. <laughs> so we will see what's going to happen. Of course, there is this big earthquake that took place. Many people have been affected, neg affected negatively. But I think that um, he still believes that his people will support him. And there is still a considerable number of people who will support him. But um, and there are those who say that a dictator will never lose power by elections. So we, and this is not always the case. If he's going to um, challenge the elections like he did with the Istanbul municipality, I mean, it, it, it has different shades to it as well. He might try, but the fact that he couldn't get Istanbul municipality is, a, is an indication. And um, also, I think um, 
um, even if he tries, probably the opposition will try to get not only a few percent difference. I think they're experienced enough to know that they will need to get, you know, a huge percentage difference to to really win this, okay, let's say win they this game. And there are those th there are those who say that because it's a two, two round elections, there are those that you know we have to win it in the first okay, round. Okay, and let's say they win. What happens the day after? Let and we see that there is a lot of discussion now about the possibility that after the elections in Turkey, maybe there's gonna be a new momentum, maybe the European Union will want to look into the possibility of uh, coming closer to Turkey. Um, and this is and this could happen, in fact, regardless of who wins. And at the same time, Turkey will have massive financial needs for the reconstruction following the earthquakes as well. So there are many issues that will need to be discussed the day after the elections. And let's say that uh, the opposition uh, manages to win. What? How do you foresee their stance regarding the Cyprus problem? Do you remember what you were doing 21 years ago? 21 years he's been in power. And then we have generations in Turkey and in Cyprus who have never experienced another leader, who have never seen another leader. They don't even know what it means to live in a proper, you know, you know, non-Erdogan government. So to answer your question, I think the first thing that um, that will happen is that Turkey will have this feeling that, yes, they can change their leader through elections. I think they had lost this this feeling, and I think it's massive, right? So this will probably be boosting sympathy towards Turkey internationally. Probably the EU, the US, the West, you know, um, everybody, all parts of the world, particularly the Western um, countries, will rush into praise and admire Turkey and Turkish people, to overthrow that authoritarian government through democratic means, you know, and it will probably be starting a new chapter with the EU, regardless of the ideological perception of the opposition towards the West, right? Because here it's not important what the parties believe in. This is a time for Turkey to decide whether they will be um, having Mr. Erdogan until the end of his life or whether they can really change a leader through elections. And Turkey needed this self-confidence, and this is the first thing that will happen after if Mr. Erdogan will lose the elections. Secondly, I think um, it will be important for the Turkish government to bring some sense into some internal and external politics. Sense, like, like simple things, like try to build normal relations with your neighbors try to uh, take science as a, a, as a form of of policy making try to keep ideology ideology away from certain things like you know try not to interfere in the lifestyles of the people try not to put people or the journalists into jail just because of their opinions right so i think this is what turkey first need to find out. Yes, there are conservative circles or views or perceptions within the opposition as well. Now, when it comes to the Cyprus problem, 
the the only thing we have at the moment is that they have uh, written down uh, certain points as a, as a as a framework of their understanding the opposition right and uh, about Cyprus they said that they favor the 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 sovereign equality of the two communities now what does this mean at a time when it is almost a, a blasphemy to say that they are against two-state solution, the fact that they say equality of the two communities, although they put sovereign into it, is actually an indication that they don't even share the, 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 the such a such a harsh positioning of the current um, Turkish Turkish Cypriot leadership. So probably they wouldn't write anything else at this stage. But pro this means that probably they will understand that they will need to at least sit down and talk to the international community, to the European Union, to the Greek Cypriot leadership, to Greece, um, and then try to find a common ground at least. We don't know whether they will wholeheartedly embrace a federal solution or not. That's another discussion, it's too early to say. But they will definitely be needing to sit down and talk and, and amend their relations with the West, with the EU. And then you cannot do it in the long run, at least, by constantly ignoring the Cyprus problem and, you know, problems with Greece, let's say. Yeah, I think uh, after the summer, we, 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 in, the, in the second half of 2023, we might have uh, more things to see and comment about on this issue, definitely about the elections, but I mean, uh, even about the possibility of a, of, of a new momentum that could in some way bring, bring the sides closer, at least in discussing some issues or sorting out some issues or reaching an understanding on uh, some issues that directly influence uh, uh, the sites. Yeah, uh, Andromahi, you know, it, look, um, at the moment, we don't have any incentive to be optimistic about Cyprus problem. But if I am to, since you always tell me that I'm the optimist, but if I'm allowed to uh, draw an optimistic scenario, the possibility of Mr. Erdogan losing elections will probably be having uh, let us see uh, will allow us to see a, a new coalition and probably they will need at least half a year to find their own feet as we say it in Turkish to find their own balance you know they will have to touch every little thing slowly slowly because you know every the, 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 you know Turkey needs more than a fine-tuning at the moment so probably the West and you know, um, the EU, the US will give Turkey some time um, to 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 really uh, help with the de-Erdoganization of Turkey. And this means by the end of 2023, possibly we might be, you know, um, seeing the initial, um, let's say, attempts to see if there will be a common ground that can be found on 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 majority of the issues including the Cyprus Yeah and I problem. think that it is fair to say that when it comes to the Cyprus problem uh, we are at this stage now in which especially since there is no mass movement on the ground that is really pushing for a solution because I always I, I always want to be putting disasters so so that we can be in a position to imagine how things could uh, have possibly been and I think that 
at this stage, we don't have in any way a mass movement on the ground that uh, underlines the urgency for a solution. And this means that such uh, a mass movement cannot act as a catalyst for a solution. So only uh, if the international community, and especially the US and the EU, show some sort of interest, will there be any sort of movement or further discussion. My gut feeling is that back in 1980s and 90s, we had Mr. Dengtash, who says that he was negotiating a federal solution. In fact, he was advocating a confederal uh, setting when he was getting into the details. Now, the current uh, position of the Turkish and the Turkish Cypriot side is actually uh, more, um, let's say, um, difficult, more... um, anti-solution than Mr. Dengtash himself. I mean, they reject even confederalism openly. They just want two-state solution and, you know, full point. So there is a possibility that this position will will change a bit and it will go back to the Dengtash times, right? Now, the question, will the Greek Cypriot leader, uh, the new Greek Cypriot leader, be prepared to discuss confederalism or will he going to push for a more unitary model, which is actually even more difficult now, or is he going to, you know, say that, yeah, you know, maybe if we keep the Turkish Cypriots and Turks out of our own internal business, maybe the best solution is a confederal solution. At this stage, you know, uh, anything is possible. I know it's a speculation, but again, at this stage, I think, many people will be looking to find some sort of a deal, whatever the the name of it will be, and hoping that the future generations will make it. I think we also need to account uh, for the amalgamation of parties that supports Mr. Christodoulidis. All of them are skeptical of a bizonal bicommunal federation. Some of them openly reject it. And uh, if we are to think of the way that the cabinet was decided, well, there it, it, it became clear that Mr. Christodoulidis caved into pressure from uh, political leaders uh, who, who kind of threatened to withdraw their support from his government if he appointed uh, a number of people. And Mr. Christodoulidis, he, he accepted their threat, basically. He caved in. And uh, we need to see how this will uh, develop in the future as to the pressures that uh, he will be faced with when it comes to basically not moving towards a bizonal bicommunal federation. So that, that that really is also the point. Will he be in a position to stand up and proceed? He said it. I mean, today he said that he's openly talking of a bizonal bicommunal federation, but there is absolutely nothing going on now. So it's kind of easy to say what will happen in the case of indeed uh, a new discussion. Before we finalize, maybe one last uh, question. Um, he will eventually be needing the support of uh, at least one big party, if not both. So this means that he will need to build good relations with, especially with DC probably. And then now DC has a new leader. And, um, you know, many people are very happy that she's a young woman and then it's good for the Greek Cypriot politics. But, there are those also who say and uh, maybe underline the fact that he's not very informed about the Cyprus problem. How does this mean that Mr. Christodoulidis will be actually deciding on the Cyprus policy and then DC will follow up? Look, DC has said that it will remain in, in supportive opposition. 
which means that they will be supportive of the government, but they will not take part in the government. This is what they are saying now. Mrs. Anida Dimitriou is uh, um, is saying that uh, they will stick to that. But I think we still have a lot to see when it comes to the way things develop in, in, in D.C. The, everyone admitted in D.C. Uh, that there is a, a range of positions within the party. And everyone was saying, uh, especially after the way things developed with the first and the second round of the elections, then the withdrawal of Mr. Averov Neofidu, you know, everyone was discussing about the mix of, of positions within the same party and the, and, and the need for DC to clarify. So up to now, especially because DC is a very leader-led uh, party, uh, the, the positions were kind of uh, dictated from top down, more or less. Uh, and we have not seen from Mrs. Uh, Dimitriou any clear indication about where she stands uh, uh, in the spectrum of positions within DC, and we need to see uh, about that. And before the elections within DC, she insisted on the concept of unity and refrained from being more open about her positions. In fact, uh, a bizonal by communal federation was not even mentioned in her actual uh, positions put forward ahead of a uh, ahead of the elections in the party. But of course, later she did mention that uh, she supports a bizonal by communal federation. Uh, so, yeah, I think DC will have a lot of issues to solve, and I. Th- see that there is an attempt to put things under the carpet. You know, Mr. Christo, Mr. Averov Neofidu withdrew, Mrs. Anita Dimitriou came with the concept of unity, refraining from actually discussing any hardcore issues. We didn't hear politics. We didn't hear policies being put forward. So there is, there is a sense that this is trying to run away from its problems, let's say. I don't know whether this will will turn out to their benefit. Um, And because we have not seen these clear indications from uh, Mrs. Dimitriou, I think we need to give time and see how things will develop. What is clear, though, is that aside of what happens within DC and their ranks, it is clear that there is this semi-coalition of the right, of the centre-right, arising around Mr. Christopoulidis. The other end, you have Akel and maybe a part of the Green Party, but this is the setting now, more or less. And I think this is what we're going to be seeing in the future as well. What I hear from what you said is that uh, Mr. Dimitriou will need her time to find her own um, positions um, and then... um, you see, so it will depend on whom is she going to reach out to to get more information and to shape her her positions. And this means that she will need some time. The question, of course, will the party be tolerant to her to wait for her to shape her her mindset on multiple issues, or is she going to um, lose his seats in the long run because the party is used to very strong leaders on every single matter. They have they are very much opinionated. So we'll see that. But what I hear from what you said is also the fact that probably um, DC will be open to influences from uh, uh, Mr. this because uh, now that he is the new president and uh, probably, uh, especially when it comes to the Cyprus problem, he will probably be influencing 
Yeah, and I think it is also important to remember that Mrs. Dimitriou is a very popular political figure, a figure that avoids confrontation. She's and and she's very similar to to the way Mr. Christodoulidis was also developing in his political uh, career, and many people uh, say that she's kind of not copying, but she's following his steps in the sense that he avoided confrontation for a long time. He wasn't taking clear positions on on issues before he ran for elections, I mean, and everything. And we need to see whether this will play to the benefit of DC, a a young figure, a woman, a very popular figure as well. And especially as we wait to see the positions being formed and everything. And so I think we need to see, I wouldn't I think DC will be strong in the next elections. I don't think they're going to face their uh, problems in in the coming elections. I mean, the European elections in 2024. But we need to see how this whole uh, project will develop uh, in, in, in the future for them. Yes, this was a a detailed and a long episode. I think it's uh, time to wrap up slowly. And um, we are very grateful to our listeners who are showing interest, who are reaching out to us, who are saying that they want to, um, you know, listen to the next episode. Um, We also need to uh, spare some of of our own private time into this as we are not, uh, you know, making our money out of this. We are not professionals, Uh, but we are dedicated podcasters. And um, I think um, the the upcoming mu- months w- there will be so many things to to talk about, and then hopefully, uh, you know, by by doing um, these podcasts regularly, uh, we'll be able to get into details um, more in the upcoming episodes. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free. <laughs>